Hey there, we're Those Sci-Fi Guys, and this is that Those Sci-Fi Guys show. Just two working dudes, different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We're your hosts, I am P.S. McKay, and I'm pretty sure that I saw the Men in Black, but the lights were out, so I couldn't be sure. Oh my god, say such ridiculous things. I love it. I'm DT Catman, and I generally don't care about the men in black (laughs) movies were great but i'm not a conspiracy theorist dan Aykroyd saw a man in black dan Aykroyd probably saw dudes in white coats taking him away because he's batshit crazy dan Aykroyd was in the middle of manhattan on the phone with britney spears when he saw a man in black get out of a black car all right and look at him menacingly let's just say Dan Aykroyd was on the phone with Britney Spears. They were That's... in the movie Crossroads together. Well, this is back in 2002. Which is, her being in it was probably the only reason why anybody went to saw it. He's got, it. He, he, he crossed roads with her in the movie Crossroads. He played her father. Wrong. So... Wrong. <laughs> Oh, this is gonna start. This is starting out so well. This is gonna be the. This is gonna be the taste. Can and the I pace. tell you? <laughs> I've literally had to tell people before, like, practically shake them and go, "I do not work for a clandestine government organization. I am. I am <laughs> what you see. I was a uniformed military officer. I didn't hide it." <laughs> Which is exactly what you would say if you did work for a giant clandestine secret government organization. I'm not a Nazi. I'm a British officer. <laughs> That's what you'd say if you was a Nazi. Gov. <laughs> from oh, the baddies? From oh, God. Great. Uh, Disney movies out of that post Walt Disney pre-Renaissance era. Oh, God. Now I feel like I, I should know it. It's not the Incredible Mr. Limpet, is it? No, but that was entertaining enough. <laughs> Which is not on Disney Plus, by the way. Was it a Disney movie? It was. Look, just Pretty because sure. it was Don Knotts doesn't mean it had to be a Disney movie. It was animated. It was. How, how many animated studios incorporated live action with animation back in the day? Uh, a couple, actually. Disney was, of course, the most famous. Now I gotta but look that up. It is from but, the great Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Uh, really? Starring the amazing Angela Lansbury, who I actually think is still alive. She's still kicking. She is still kicking. She was in um, the Return of uh, uh, Mary Poppins, or Mary Poppins: The Return. Mm-hmm. She's gotta be almost a hundred. You look that up. I'm looking up the incredible Mr. Limpet. She is 96 years old. Wow, she's farther away from 100 than I thought. What, do you think she was like 99? Yeah, I did. (laughs) Absolutely. I think she still does voice work. It would not surprise me. No, she was, yeah, she was in Mary Poppins Returns. Okay, she has, she has to be uh, a Disney legend. 
Oh, by far. No, I mean like actually being listed as a Disney legend. It's a uh, it's basically Disney's like Hall of Fame. <laughs> um well, what's her face? Jody Benson has to be a Disney le- legend, right? The voice of Ariel. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. And 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 Barbie from Toy Story. 1995. She was given the Disney Legend Award. That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I agree. Let's see. Son of a bitch. The Incredible Mr. Limpet is a Warner Brothers movie. Hmm. So. Aha. Uh, who else do you think? Yeah. So animated, who else would be pretty good? Warner Brothers. Yeah. Can I tell you recently who else was <laughs> listed as Disney Legends? Uh, please. All right. From the class of 2019, such notables that fall in our categories as Robert Downey Jr., Makes sense. John Favreau. Mm, yep. James Earl Jones. Should have been there 20 years ago. Yeah, well, from Mufasa alone. Mufasa, my God. <laughs> and Ming-Na Wen. Yeah, she should have been there at least five years ago. As five years listed ago. as film, television, and animation. Did Ming-Na Wen sing uh, Mulan's Mulan? parts? I yeah. I don't believe so. But here we are. That crosses boundaries. Here's a few more from the class of 2017. The late, great Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. The ever-esteemed Mark Hamill. Two, okay, yeah. two publishing legends in Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. Dang. And jumping from uh, one parent company to another, Whoopi Goldberg. Really? Well, she was in The Lion King. I'm pretty sure, isn't The View on ABC? <laughs> It is, but that's hardly a <laughs> that's hardly a, an award worthy event. I don't know. Did Disney do Sister Act? I don't know, but I think Sister Act is on Disney Plus. Uh, yeah. Is it? I don't. I'm looking Perhaps, now. But you know, there you are. Huh. Well, the Got- more you know, everyone. Hmm. Sister Act and Sister Act 2 are both on Disney+. Plus. They must have been Buena Vista. Had to I have mean, been. Unless they were Fox, but... I don't... No, I'm pretty sure it was Buena Vista. Probably. Anyway, I think we're going too deep down the rabbit hole that we weren't going to discuss. No, we weren't, but we did. And it happened. Now I want to sing Ain't No Mountain High Enough. It was in Sister Act 2. 
<laughs> at the it's very a, end. It's a great song. That's a good song. It's a good song. Okay. All right, DT, you know what brings us together here tonight? Today, tomorrow. and alcohol. All our yesterdays. Uh, oh, shit, man. How can I respond to such a perfect answer? <laughs> That's what I give you. <laughs> perfect answers. Not when, not when I said I saw the men in black, but it was too dark. So... All right, that's the final callback I'll have here. We're doing scary moments in sci-fi. Now, let's go ahead and preface this, that we're not talking about something that generally falls under sci-fi horror. So we're not talking about Alien or Aliens or... Or Howard the Duck. (laughs) That is genuinely scary. I saw Howard the Duck when I was seven. Yeah, when you rewatched it. With my grandma. Really fucked up. It's a fucked up movie, and it had horrible puppet- puppetry that was very realistic and scary as shit. Mm. Like, horrifying. Um, so Probably was not done by the Jim Henson Creature Shop, though. N- probably not. But if so, so, If so, the Henson Company would have burned that thing years ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're not talking about specifically scary movies like Gremlins or Gremlins 2. Isn't that also kind of a comedy? Well, technically, Gremlins, they're both comedies. Gremlins 2 decided to really just own itself and just go the comedy route rather than the horror route. Like Army of Darkness? Yeah, they just just said, this is a ridiculous concept. We know it. We're not going to take it. And there's just no way we could take it seriously in a second movie. So, and they made it work. <laughs> Christopher Lee was in that movie. <sighs> Grandpa Munster was in that movie. The great Christopher Lee. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he was the genetics uh, uh, professor. Of course he was. Yeah. <laughs> he must have been like, and this was be, this was definitely in a career lull for him, I would say. Right. <laughs> And no, we're not talking about Frankenstein. But Christopher Lee is a horror icon. Yes, he is. Before he became well-known in his much later years as Count Dooku and Saruman. Man, he'd had a late career resurgence, didn't he? The dude was a a straight-up legendary badass. He was the only person who really could have kicked... Walker, Texas Rangers ass. What's his name? Chuck Norris? Yeah, he was the only man in the world who could have kicked Chuck Norris's ass. I don't think... had a fighting chance. Well, he was a (laughs) legit badass. What was the name of the unit he was with? The, uh... It was like the, uh... Ungentlemanly Affairs or something like that. Basically, it was like... Precursors to the SAS and something like that. The Office of Ungentlemanly Affairs. Right? Oh, jeez. <laughs> but he was a he was a straight ass kicker in World War II. Apparently yep. released heavy metal at one point in his career. Uh, was handpicked by Tolkien himself before Tolkien passed. He was an actual new Tolkien. Had been a wow. huge fan of the books and actually had been picked by Tolkien should they ever adapt 
uh, Lord of the Rings into a movie. Tolkien yep. wanted him to be Gandalf. Oh. But I think his menace, his menacing visage was definitely well suited for Saruman. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. Well, that voice. Yeah. Even in his 80s and 90s, that voice. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. It was a power. Yeah. But we're not talking about Christopher Christopher Lee. But he fits. He he did fit. He okay. Hmm. It's hard. But that's to, fantasy. So uh, to count Dooku. Uh, was he scary though? He was menacing. I wouldn't. He say was menacing, he was, but not scary. I, yeah, he was. We're talking about okay. So we're talking about no, genuine I'm just, I'm just scary moments. Fits. He and okay. the characters he plays fits. So, <laughs> anyway, yes. So. Uh, Legendary badass Christopher Lee. Yes, okay. So the inspiration for this episode came... My wife and I recently re-watched the pilot to Dawson's Creek. Um, That sounds terrifying. It wasn't. It was actually quite awesome. Um, Dawson's Creek holds a special place in my heart. Um, That being... That didn't look shit like Cape Cod. No. No, well, they, no. it no. had elements of what Cape Cod had, like the tall grasses, some like a lot of a lot of New England had those inlet waters and stuff. Maybe not definitely not near Rockport where they were supposed to be, but uh, yeah. <laughs> complete uh, baloney. Actually, actually, my town that I moved um, was <laughs> looked a lot more like Cape Side than uh anything in massachusetts but i digress yeah but no one outside the Farrelly brothers was filming anything in rhode island in the late 90s <laughs> no that's true too <laughs> and the Farrelly brothers made sure to have someone from my high school be a bad guy <laughs> woogie from yep <laughs> of course he was crazy of course well, earlier in that movie, the uh, the truck stop scene, Ben Stiller is wearing a uh, a t shirt that shocked me. I didn't call out your town. <laughs> but I, I'm not calling your town. <sighs> Tool. Okay. What with shirt an, was he wearing? With an E at the end. Oh. Well, that's 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 even worse. Ye old tool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like uh, a hand crank. <laughs> so the, not only does it not get the job done, but it also injures the user. Exactly. So. <laughs> so okay, what shirt was it? Come on. Moving on to the point right. of the episode. Fine. So anyway, we were watching Dawson's Creek, and I remember, I, I, we, my wife and I were watching the first season like 15 years ago or something, and they randomly had this one episode in the middle of the first season, which was a straight up horror suspense episode. Was it a Halloween episode? No, it wasn't because the first season debuted mid season. 
So it basically was there was this killer, um, the serial killer that was supposedly on the loose and might have been in town. And the kids all decide to, ha- you know, get together at Dawson's house. Again, this isn't Massachusetts. Serial killers only play football in Massachusetts. <laughs> this is true. This is true. So, oh, God. Spree killers. Let's just say that. Um, <laughs> so they're they're hanging out at Dawson's house and they invite some random people that could buy uh, liquor for them. Oh, yeah, that's it's like a horror movie waiting to happen <laughs> yeah. right there. Um, but the episode was genuinely scary. Like they were going through the house, the power went out. So they're walking around with the candlelight. It, it was really well done. If you ever have the patience to do it, uh, I nope. suggest. I couldn't. It's, it's, at, at, it's at not a bad watch. At 17, I couldn't <laughs> get through any of it. I got through the pilot of Dawson's Creek and I was like, this isn't worth it. <laughs> It did not resonate with me. That's fine. It does not everything has to resonate with everyone. And every time I see that that James Vanderbeek uh, Dawson crying meme, I just I, it just <laughs> reinforces. Welcome to the internet. Well, you know, I I I, I watched his. Uh, I went and saw his movie Varsity Blues while playing high school football. The the worst Southern slash Texas accent I've ever heard. I don't want well, your, your laugh. laugh. <laughs> I don't want your accent, bro. Yeah. You know what? It's funny watching that. Okay. Side, it's, side it, note. It's so. as bad as listening to uh, Nicolas Cage's attempt at a Southern accent in Con Air and almost anybody outside of uh, Mark Wahlberg and uh, Matt Damon in The Departed doing a Boston right. accent. Right. I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you this. Leo did pretty damn good, but he's straight up method. Wouldn't surprise me if he was like drinking at bars in Southie for like six months prior to filming. Well, that's what Leo does. Yeah. Yeah. But he's less so. douchey about it than someone like Jared Leto. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, I got to say, watching Varsity Blues and being someone who didn't know anything about football, watching them, <laughs> watching them convert to a, a no huddle offense. And do do the hurry up, uh, <laughs> hurry up method. I was sitting there watching this, going, "This is fucking genius. This is why hasn't why hasn't anyone else thought about doing this?" You and I actually went to <laughs> Patriots games together. <laughs> Granted, know, they they were preseason. Watch them. Still. Went to them. I didn't watch them. I read a book. You know this. You're such a nerd. Oh, but, but still, I'm in high school. I'm watching this movie, going, "This is fucking genius." People need to people need to look into this. What? Well, it's and, basically like if you watch Semi Pro <laughs> with Will Ferrell, and he gets knocked out, and he has the dream from his mom about the alley oop. Like no one had come up with that yeah, yeah. thirty years <laughs> of the NBA prior to it. It's true. And then I watch it. God, I watched it. Uh, the first time I rewatched it was in 2016, and I'm sitting here going. This is fucking trash. Why? <laughs> like, what, Varsity Blues? Well, I mean, no, it's still an enjoyable movie, but their solution was to go no huddle. And I'm sitting here going, how is this revolutionary? This is not, like, what are we doing here? Well, as a guy who played high school football, no huddle, well, it's not as easy as it looks on TV. <laughs> It's true. They don't have the big, the big picture cards on the sideline 
like they do now yeah and things well. like that but anyway let me but, but I, let me put it to you this way uh the intensity of high school football in the state of texas can be scary oh god yes yeah hmm. no no yeah you don't want to cross that every high school is expected to win state yep Every single They've made one. movies and TV shows about it. Yep. And I respect it. And that's all I can say about that. Scary episodes. So anyway, I was thinking, what about different sci-fi shows? Not necessarily one show, but like different ones that their premise isn't about horror. Their premise isn't, they're, they're, you know, it's about typical sci-fi. And yet they had one or two of those episodes where they just broke the genre just a little bit and tilted to that horror suspense level. Well, if they were any good, then they would occasionally break to it. You know, maybe maybe it's the comedy episode or the romance episode or the, you know, in Star Trek, the occasional combat episodes were you know, uh, kind of groundbreaking at times, you know, like hard yes. war, um, at least until the end of Deep Space Nine. But uh, and, and, you know, of course, the mirror universe was always a a, a break for Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Things that, you know, it was kind of how people have like when they talk about the MCU, like, oh, they're all cookie cutter. But no, if you look like Ant-Man was a heist, heist. movie. Captain America Winter Soldier was a political thriller. Yep. Um, and spy thriller. Political right. spy it, thriller. It was yeah. real. That's one of the, I think that's one of the reasons why it, it stuck so well is that a couple of the fantastical elements aside, it felt really, really grounded. Guardians of the Galaxy. Hilarious. Was a movie about family. Yeah, but it was also, it was a little heist. It was a, it was hilarious. It had great music. Guardians <laughs> was was also a really out there premise, and it just kind of they needed something to keep it grounded. You know, a simple story about finding your family. That that was the general theme for it. You know, a very right. grounded theme. So, yeah. so yes, yes. If they if the writers know how to do it, how to how to write their characters well, then yeah, they should break those boundaries a little bit every now and then. So, I've got a list of a few episodes. I don't know if you have anything I off do. the top of your head. Hopefully, we, we don't overlap. No. I'm going to start, if that's okay. So, I'm going to start, since it's my subject, uh, if you don't mind. I suddenly can't hear you. I think you're muted. Yeah, you hit the mute button. Anyway, uh, yes, <laughs> your mistake. So this one drove me crazy watching it. Star Trek: The Next Generation, seventh season, ah. Genesis. Yes, that is creepy. That it, was a good one. It might actually be the uh, creepiest episode of the Next Generation. It honestly. I think it was. So, premise, long and short, uh, the crew of the Enterprise sees, like, a, an anomaly that Picard decides he wants to go on, and he t- he takes Data with him, and they take a shuttle to go investigate the anomaly. 
while the rest of the Enterprise goes on to its next um, destination. In the meantime, Barkley catches some kind of like flu or something. And well, Dr. he is Crusher, a hypochondriac. I know. And Dr. Crusher creates a new inoculation for him to, to cure it, unknowingly creating a metagenic virus that actually recom let's see, recodes and activates junk DNA from previous evolutionary um, renditions of the species. Which is a little weird when how they start branching off. Mind but, you, but we've all branched from something. Like, if you go way back when, we were amphibians. You know, uh, phylogeny, uh, you know, we are amphibians when we're in the womb. All right. Single-handedly, the, uh, and yes, and when Picard and Data get back, the Enterprise, the Enterprise is, is a mess. It's spinning. Uh, the, the lights aren't working. And they're just hearing all these weird animalistic sounds in the background. Which, it, you know, it's almost like a, a werewolf or vampire movie or something uh-huh. like that. Which, of course, great. You know, and of course, the flickering lights is a horror staple. Yep. Yep. And then Picard is slowly succumbing to the metagenic virus as well. He was turning into like a, a scared lemur. You know, he was in, and well, Pat, that, Pat Stewart what, for showing that, showing the jitteriness and the the yeah, the, the that, easy that's what to data be scared. He'll turn into some right. sort. Data, of course, was slowly regressing into a pocket calculator from nineteen eighty eight. Yeah. Which this would have been a great only... joke, but... <laughs> God. Yeah, right up there with, well, he had a positron... He had a silicon-based virus, and only a positronic brain could have fixed him. It would have made just as much sense as that. Well, anyway. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, this is the only episode that has ever made me scream out loud. And do you know which scene it was? Oh, it was Barkley. Barkley jumping out with the spider eyes and the the oh, the was, goo. And Picard jumps back and he yells, Data! You know, because we all hope Data's like around to fight off the spider Barkley. So <laughs> Which by the way, that definitely played on the large arachnophobia fear that many Ooh. people have, including yep. this guy. The, oh, those, yeah. those scenes in Lord of the Rings, the Return of the <laughs> King, and, and the um, yeah, and then in the Hobbit movies, yeah. I, I have not to forget <laughs> Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. No, I'm not a Harry Potter guy, so it's not a big deal for me. But it's okay. It's fantasy. Let me put it to you this way, my friend. I've seen really large spiders in real life, and that is not a fan. I'm not a fan of those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those were terrifying. I, I freely admit I've faced down IEDs, rockets, mortars, and enemy uh, combatants. But I was like, this, eh, tell me when it's over on the spider yeah. part. Yeah. Uh, I don't want that fucking with my dreams. Nope. <laughs> but that was a genuinely scary episode. And then we have we have Worf, the monster of the episode, in, in a proto-Klingon form. This big hulking, you know, gorilla slash Bigfoot kind of, you know, creature. With horns. With, with and horns fangs. and plates on them. Venom. 
Yeah, he had Venom. That's right. He did have Venom. He almost and, killed Crusher with that. Yep. And <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. When when he's like, she's like, Worf, open your mouth. <laughs> just you didn't expect that. It's just. It was good. I, I mean, the whole thing and then them running from uh, Worf and then finally they were able to aerosolize the antigen, which, which uh, of course, Data was able to synthesize. You know, sin- yeah. But uh, of can course, you imagine Android how many crew members it. died? <laughs> well, they def- uh they came onto the bridge, and it looked like someone had taken. I lost you. They came onto the bridge, and they and looked like what? Well, they found the 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 the, the flight controller chewed on. Oh, that's right. He's dead. Yeah, and then Picard goes into his ready room and sees Cro-Magnon Riker banging on the uh, fish tank. <laughs> yeah, Livingston's tank, which I'm sure he loved. Livingston, that is. Um, <laughs> so, but all in all, not an episode that I was ready for, nor knew what it was about. I just, you know, was sitting down for my weekly episode of the Next Generation, and then that happened. So, and that was the first Agreed. episode that came to my mind. So, Agreed. That was one of the first ones that came to my mind as well. So, now I will jump into one. Uh, trying to remember which episode. I think it might be episode three of season two of The Mandalorian. Oh. When they crash land on that ice planet oh god i didn't even think about that the the ice uh, spiders the ice spiders bringing it back to the spiders they were i mean these were ones that were came from they came from uh the original revelatory drawings no the the drawings all came originally from uh concept art for dagobah Mm. Back in like 1980 or something like that. But yes, and then they did use a, a variation of these kind of spiders in Rebels, which actually had a horror kind of vibe this one episode where they kind of encounter the spiders and like Rex and a couple of people get sucked down underground. They have to, and Kanan and Ezra have to go down and use the force to help them get uh-huh. out. But. This one was that much more terrifying. You have almost that alien moment where the eggs open up and then all these little ones come out. Of course, this is after Grogu has cracked one open and decided that <laughs> this thing take is a tasty snack. Oh, my after God. After he's already spent half the episode eating the frog eggs. Yep. Uh, which, he seems to like eating everything. Which was, um, I don't know if the frog lady ever understood ever knew if he was actually eating her eggs. I kind of think she may have suspected. <laughs> but she, she, at least, she at least didn't get the um, let the spider that jumped on his head to allow him to eat him. She blasted yeah. the spider right off of uh, <laughs> off of Grogu's head. But yeah. you know who ro- rides to the rescue? Dave Filoni. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, i got to admit, that was really creepy. It was kind of, and for someone who does not love spiders, 
like me to see all of them and they're gradually getting bigger and chasing them. It's just a, it's a nightmare, you know, oh, waiting for you. And then they're like trying to break in and all the, it was. Yeah. And that ship lost almost all, (laughs) all structural integrity. I know it was, it was horrifying. (laughs) And then if you, if, if the eight legged creatures just couldn't get you enough, the very next episode, Grogu's uh, Octo Chowder attacks him. Face yeah. hunter style, right out of Alien. <laughs> right after they, they, yeah, they crash on, they, they crash land. Yeah, on the uh, planet. Yeah. Stop playing with your food. <laughs> he stabs him. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and he's like, are you just, are you seriously? Do you think I'm playing with this thing? So. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was good. I did. Oh, I did have a sit on your, the your that, seat. Let's not forget later in that episode where the critter almost ate Grogu in the uh, in his pod there until the other Mandalorian showed up. Wait, they they make a deal with some Quarren to those say they're going to bring him to see uh, other Mandalorians and they. Oh yeah, and then they're trying to take the Beskar. That's right. Okay, on the on the on the ship, yeah, on the the water ship. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look, man. That was a moment. That was a suspenseful moment. It was. There's plenty of suspenseful moments in in the Mandalorian, but uh, truly terrifying had to be the uh, ice spider attack. I'll, I'll grant you that. That. Let that me was, put it to uh, you this way. Fuck that. And, and think about it like this too. I don't want to rewatch it. No, not it's not really on my list of rewatching either. <laughs> I, I could pretty well rewatch pretty much rewatch all the other episodes, but that one I could just skip to the end. I actually think I <laughs> trying to remember. No, I didn't. Wa- in the first season, I used to watch them in advance to make sure that they weren't questionable for my kid. Uh, but after she got through that, I was like, yeah. So we started watching them all together. So we were both <laughs> relatively grossed out by that episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, that one was really creepy as far as uh, Star Wars goes. Okay. So I've got one. Mm-hmm. And this might be cheating. I don't know. You can call me out on it for not, if it is. I always do. <laughs> so Babylon 5. Ooh, that's a good Season one. two, Shadows. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that the one where? Uh, that's the one the, where the invisible alien. Yeah, that's preying where... on Reg Barkley again. What? Babylon Five. Yeah, the one where uh, it's the. Uh, they Wait, found was Reg the... Barkley? Yeah, Wait, that was him. The the yeah. member of the. the okay, old, hold the on. The old ground pounder who okay. was going nuts. That was Dwight Schultz. No, 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 no. No, this is the guy where Sheridan, is it Sheridan? Yes. Who's Bruce Boxleitner? Sheridan. Sheridan. This is where Sheridan finds a uh, a man who is on the ship's manifest that his wife was on when it got lost. Oh, oh, Morden, when he found Morden. Yeah, when he found Morden. And he's on this quest to figure out what happened to his wife. And the guy is like, I don't know who you're talking about, but 
he's like all creepy about it. You know, just well, like emotionless really and skeezy. And yeah. Creepy. Yeah. And he's there to talk to, to Lando and Lando. Lando. He's cr- you're <laughs> Same crossing. spelling. Same spelling. No, it's not. It was L <laughs> O. Oh, my bad. Um, he's there to talk to Londo. And yeah. and this is when we learn about the shadows, the ancient race of the five races or whatever Mr. they were. Morden. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Delenn tells him about how his wife's ship reawoken the shadows early. Mm. And we saw we saw the 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 CGI of the ship landing, uh, being on the surface. We saw the people Icarus. in EB suits, and we saw in the deepest, dark part of the cave. We saw one of the shadows just like open its eyes, like they start glowing. That was which was creepy. creepy as hell. That was creepy. The first then, couple appearances of the shadow ships were also creepy too, because yes. the scream with the uh, with with that spider appearance. Ugh. Wasn't the Narn fleet destroyed by a shadow ship? And yes. we didn't even... We got no heads up on what they were. Nothing. We just saw it happen. Right? Yes. Like, it was... But someone was made a Londo. deal with Londo. Yeah. This Mr. Morden character. Yeah, okay. It was all... Maybe it was all the same. Um, God, I have to rewatch this. I don't have any time for any of this. There, okay, so there was another great B5 episode. There's two I'll dive into very quickly. Before we go before we go any further, let me just finish it up. Oh, yes. Sheridan has uh, Morden detained, and he's like, I need you to go through the light spectrums here and just, you know, go towards the infrared a little bit, you know, just see. And as he's doing that, he suddenly sees the shadow standing there in the room with Morden. And he's like, go back, go back, go back. And the guy, the, the tech, didn't even see it. And the guy's like, oh, did you see something, sir? And he goes, no, just shadows. And <laughs> but we saw the shadow in the detention room. So the shadows were on the station. They were mm-hmm. there. And well, they, that was they creepy as hell. Morden. Yeah. Think about that. That was creepy. That 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 made me skip a beat. Yes. So that one, that you're right. That one was, uh, that was a good shock moment. Mm-hmm. They had a couple of good ones there. Now there was another one, also in the same season. So a the the crew of Babylon Five, I think the flight of Star Furies found this old derelict ship that was a hundred years from a hundred years in Earth's past. It was. Um, it was an old like uh, cryogenic capsules. Oh yeah, and the uh, you know it was it, it, it and it turns out ironically enough that like five or ten years after this after this was launched, they they encounter the Centauri and get jump technology, but yeah. they find two. Well, there were two cryopods. One was damaged and. Uh, the person in there was horribly, well, desiccated, but also looked like died in agony. Um, and then they found this other person uh, alive, and she's brought in to the station, and she has like some 
bad dreams of like monsters and like wakes up screaming at night as they're taking care of her. And of course, Franklin kind of develops a crush on her. But in the subplot, um, and I think this is, I think this is after the Narn and the Centauri go to war because at this time Londo is is no longer as popular with the members of the station as he once was. Right. And then all of a sudden, here comes Dwight Schultz running, screaming through the the Zocalo, the bar area. The and he's one of those lurkers, you know, basically they're the the B five version of homeless and derelict. Mm-hmm. But it turns out he was a they call a he was an infantryman during or he was a soldier during the Earthman Bari War and had some serious PTSD and. Good, definitely an interesting commentary on homeless veterans, right? With uh, you know severe PTSD, and PTSD, and other issues related to many this other combat. Issues, yeah, but he starts going nuts and is uh, accusing and warning that basically the de- doom is coming. It's on the station. And there's a lot of weird things going on. But surprisingly, Garibaldi starts thinking that maybe there's something to this guy because he's looked at his war record, realized he was like the lone survivor of his outpost, which was wiped out, and, you know, kind of takes it on as a, a the shadow. Well, no, he, he, he takes it, uh, you know, Garibaldi kind of takes it on as, you know, because he served in the war, too, as a guy who's seen some horrible stuff and that, you know, the Minbari, uh, you know, was kicking their ass left and right, wiping people out. But it, you start seeing, I think he wants, I think he eventually encounters the woman and basically freaks out saying like she's touched by darkness and she's under suspicion of killing the other person who in the, in the pod, who was her husband, but she was alive, but she's having feelings of something in the pod with her and feeding on her. It was very claustrophobic and psychological. Oh, yeah. And it turns out that the same moon that this soldier had been on during the Earth-Minbari War, they were hiding in old ruins, setting up a listening post, and something comes through their perimeter and like kills everybody, but keeps him alive and is like feeding on him until he gets rescued. And this pod pass had passed by this thing. And, uh, this creature had sometimes, and it's in, it's barely visible. It's like one of those shimmering light kind of things that they like to do in Babylon five. Yeah. And the creature starts, uh, had jumped on board the the vessel and somehow had gotten on board and started feeding off of the one pod and then was feeding off of the other pod when it uh, was starting to feed off of the woman. And Garibaldi figures it out and with Sheridan and the crew, well, the the old soldier played by Dwight Schultz you know, basically goes in to confront the the creature and they catch it in a crossfire and they 
smoke it with a bunch of weapons fire and kills it, which kind of gives that guy peace of mind because he's kind of he's hearing silence in his mind because he's his literal demon is gone. Right. And the same thing with the woman. And then like towards the end of the episode, Jakar is kind of reflecting on things. He's looking back through his book of Jaquan, which is their Bible, their holy man philosophy. Mm-hmm. And it was written around the time of the previous shadow war. And it shows a figure that kind of matches the outline of a creature in the book, the same creature, which they, which Shakar believes it's the great enemy has many servants, I think is what he says. Mm. So that kind of ties this, this, a little kind of bottle type episode to the, overall shadow war but it was also very suspenseful there was definitely that horror vibe and the cryo tubes and the mm-hmm. it was a pretty good one and of course you have dwight schultz who's half howling mad murdoch from the a-team half reg barkley from star trek true true so interesting it was i remember that one. episode that was that was See, one of the first exactly ones I once. think I ever watched. It's a great one. Yeah. It's, it's definitely worth a rewatch. It's in season two, and it is awesome. All right. There's also one more episode that has a really creepy vibe. I think it's either either late in season two or early in season three. I think it might have been early season three, where the Len is being tested by the Vorlons, and they bring out this Inquisitor. And the Inquisitor turns out at the end of the episode is Jack the Ripper, plucked from Earth in the in the nineteenth century after a string of murders. Sheridan starts digging things up and finds out, basically, pulls up enough evidence that he kind of lays it at this guy is like, "You're basically he calls him out as Jack the Ripper without saying it. They don't say you're the Jack the Ripper. You're saying, yeah, you <laughs> seem to have disappeared from history." Around the same time of a bunch of murders in London. And this guy, Wayne Alexander, is the actor who also played the uh, first one, Lorian, who was like kind of was Sheridan's mentor after Akash died. Uh huh. Um, but uh, so this guy has played a bunch of different aliens, but this was one of the first times you actually see him play a human. He's American. Right. And almost every Brit I've ever heard says he. Has like I didn't know he was American. I thought he was English. He nails this English accent. He's got this <laughs> cruel but creepy but elegant vibe to him. Oh, he was so good, and it was very chilling. Huh? And you're like, oh, as Sheridan's putting things together, I'm like, oh, he's gonna call him out as Jack the Ripper. <laughs> they kind of leave it hanging, and basically the guy says. Not known as whatever I was, known only as Jack, and just walks off, and you can just hear the slow footprints and the sound of that one cane tapping. Yeah. Gentleman's cane. And, oh, it was creepy. It was so good. B5, I think, occasionally delved into some of the scarier things with the unknown and the shadows. Definitely was very creepy. There was creepy moments with the Psychor too, 
that uh, mind invasion is definitely not a pretty sight. No, no, it is not. It is not. All right, but we've talked Star Trek, Star Wars, Babylon 5. What else do we got? Again, I'm nervous about, because I'm not a fan of, like, horror or... I do like suspense, but I, I don't... Yeah, I like a thriller, it, you know? but I'm not really looking for horror. Right. Um. So this might be pushing it a little bit. Interesting. X-Files... Season five, episode four. I think, I think we've kind of veered too heavily. That's into... the monster of the week episode. But here's here's why I bring it up. Well, why don't I just throw Buffy the Vampire Slayer out there while we're at it? No, no. But here's why I bring it up. I promise. Okay. I, I'm not. I'm, if if you don't like this answer, then we can just move on. We don't need to expound on it. All right. Then hit the high points on this one. Okay. <laughs> Because I this think episode crossed... is actually based on real FBI files of people just going disappearing in the woods. Okay. Where some there are two people out in the woods. One person turns their back, and they're like fifty yards away from the other person in plain sight. They turn around, person's gone. No Blair trace. Witch project. Not Blair Witch. No, and these are literally FBI files, and this episode is using that. Like, people are going missing in the Florida woods. and uh, Meth labs. <laughs> no, there's no crime. That's Gators. Still missing. There's no, you would you'd be able to tell if there was an animal struggle. Um, <laughs> sort of. Um, okay, that, that answer's questionable, depending on how far you are in the water and stuff, if you're in the water at all. Anyway, um, this is about... Molly and uh, Scully and Mulder. Molly. Yeah, that, Molly. you know, now you're that'll work. That, that worked out well as a couple. All right, so All Molly, right. yeah, they're on well, their way to the Scalder. Yes, it sounds like uh, someone He Man would fight. Yeah, so they're on their way to a, to a conference and they see someone on the side, a contractor, a civil engineer on the road, like wave, you know, with, with some police officers and they get out, they decide to help out. Like, where'd this civil contractor go? In the end, it's people in the woods from Ponce de Leon uh, finding mm. the Fountain of Youth. And over time, their bodies have changed to merge with the woods and stuff. Swamp thing. Got it. Sort of. But it was really creepy. And the big scene was the at the end when a kid who lost his dad to one of these woodsmen is in his room. And suddenly he sees one of these things in under his bed. And he starts running, and it's a really creepy, you know, creature. It's not human that's chasing him. And um, the kid gets away, and they think everything's over. Uh, Mulder is talking to the other parents, saying, you know, it just seems like these guys only, uh, these people only go disappearing when no one's around to, to see them go. And he's like, wait a minute. And if you interfere with their business, they kind of follow you. He's like, oh, crap. I left Scully at, at, at the hotel room. And so he goes, and he's racing back. And we see Scully in her room getting things ready. And underneath the bed, we see two red eyes open up. <laughs> As she's packing away, he opens the door. And we still see the eyes. And he's like, Scully! And Mulder, what's up? Oh, nothing. Nothing. Just wanted to see if you're ready here. Let's go. Let's go out, out. 
and they get out, shut the door, eyes go shut. That was that was creepy as hell. But it's based on real events. Now the the Ponce de Leon thing is its own creative thing, but people are going missing in the woods with no apparent trace whatsoever. And those are real FBI uh, investigations. Yeah, but you're still using the X-Files. I mean, I remember watching the, the episode that Stephen King wrote, which was like almost like a little bit of like a, a possessed doll. Um, there was the episode, I think they had a Bermuda Triangle episode. I mean, that's what the X-Files did. I think you're pushing it. I Yeah, but... I know, and I, I admit I was pushing it. So, I mean, I only it, thought it was credited because it was based on a real, it's a real life FBI investigation. I'll give you. There's a little bit there, but still, I'm yeah. Going I to know. Go ahead and X-Files give you. By design is just give me a half a point. I'll give you an <laughs> asterisk on this one. <laughs> Only because I would like to bring up one episode of Buffy that was truly creepy. Hold on. Let me cross off all episodes of Stranger Things that I was going to talk about. Yeah, that's not right. (laughs) Buffy, we know it's like fantasy, horror, vampires, and Demon of the Week. And on top of all the social commentary in there. But the creepiest episode of Buffy was called did you did you ever watch buffy no no so there was this episode i think called the gentlemen the gentlemen are like a group of like skeletally men that kind of like come around and they like steal voices basically so that they can't hear you scream because human screams kill them or something like that and they're like creepy, like tight skin over a skeleton. They kind of like float. Oh, they were really. Oh, creepy. they're they're basically skinwalkers. They were they're rakes, wraiths more likely. They were very creepy appearance. Very good uh, costume. Uh, very good uh, effects. Um, and the entire episode, outside of a few minutes at the, basically a few, uh, like the first couple of minutes of the episode, and then mm-hmm. a couple of minutes at the end of the episode, was entirely devoid of dialogue. Really? They all lost their ability to speak because of this presence. Because huh. their voice, human voices, kill these things. So. Yeah. As the crew is trying to figure out how to communicate, they're using music, they're using what basically the equivalent of silent movies or like slideshows with movies with music to kind of figure it out. It was uh, actually, but the it was very creepy because the these demons would kind of lurk in. Oh, they, they were disturbing. <laughs> And, you know, Buffy, of course, is all about vampires and monsters and demons and even one episode, at least aliens. But this one was truly, I think, maybe the the creepiest episode of the series. 
Which season was this? Season four. Okay. Huh. Basically, like the only year Buffy was truly in college. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll give it to you. Uh, again, I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't feel like. I didn't honestly. Th- all right, here's the deal about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I, I wasn't into vampires, so I didn't watch it. I knew what it was, you know, supposed to be, and I just was like, eh, meh. But I didn't get into it until late, late, um, much later. It was off the air. I had friends who loved it. I'd seen episodes. They were okay. Of course, when you're in high school and college, if you got a friend's watching it, you watch, okay, there's some action. Okay, there's some beautiful women. <laughs> but I did. I wasn't really in the mood to sit down and digest the message. Now it fall. You know, as much as as great as the show is, it does. It's a little tainted by all the Josh Whedon shit. Right. Well, uh, there's a whole discussion that we can have yeah. about loving the art, but not the artist. Or, exactly. You know. And that's what I'm. And I have. You know, I didn't say I'm not going to watch the reruns or whatever if they come out, because. We all know one of my favorite shows is, of course, and it was Buffy, too. I really loved Buffy a lot. It was a great show. Uh, but Firefly. Yeah. And Firefly was fairly grounded science fiction. But you want to talk about creepy, the Reavers. Yeah. We never the- saw them in the show, though. Yeah, you did. No, not in the show. Oh, yes, you did. Mm, when? Well, uh, their we ship. We saw their was... ship. Ah, there was the episode early in the first season. <laughs> the season? Yeah. Uh, there was a. There was a. Serenity comes upon a derelict ship. And of course. They they make money from scavenging and other shady deals, right? You know some you know some more shady than others, but for the most part they're scoundrels, rogues, scavengers. But you know they they're not exact they're not the ones swooping in and like r- shooting up you know towns of innocent people. In fact, a couple right. of times they get hired out to protect people from that, such. But they like, oh, salvage, let's go. And they start digging things up. And they're like, where's the crew? They can't find the crew. And then they find the crew all like spliced together and like suspended in like a, in a, uh, in like a shaft. And they're all brutalized and everything. Like, oh my God. And they find one lone survivor who's just a mess, like tortured and yeah, I can't say. And they bring him in as they're bringing on. They're like, okay, we got to get the hell out of here. And they grab whatever shit they can. They bring the guy aboard. But not long after that, an Alliance cruiser shows up and catches them basically in the act. So they get taken aboard. They get, you know, they're all getting grilled. They're all about to be arrested and everything. When the guy basically freaks out, the uh, the survivor freaks out, 
And he starts and he grabs some medical tools and starts slashing, you know, kills a bunch of the medical people and starts getting loose in the ship and running around and attacking people. And Mal basically is, and the guy's like carving his face up and everything. And basically Malcolm Reynolds explains to the douchey captain of the, of the Alliance ship, you know, who doesn't really believe in Reavers is that basically the Reavers, they'll kill, torture, rape, skin, sometimes eat the people they find, but they usually leave a survivor who has a tendency to go mad and eventually just turns into a Reaver. It's almost like turning somebody in a vampire movie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they become so consumed by grief, anger, rage, everything. They be basically become Reavers themselves. So they kind of Reavers beget Reavers. Yep. And this guy's going, you know, is like killing people and running through the ship. And Malcolm, with his hands still tied together, the one who manages <laughs> to be able to stop him and kills the guy. And the uh, the scenes with the Reavers were kind of terrible. Uh, not terrible. They were good, but they were terrifying. Yeah. The creepiness of finding all the bodies on the ship and, like, displayed in horrific ways. And then, you know, when the guy goes on his rampage, basically the episode ends with um, the Alliance uh, ship letting the Serenity go without the cargo and they bl- and the alliance ship blows up the derelict they found but it was really creepy and of course if you want to jump to the movie serenity all the scenes with the reavers like <laughs> when the reavers attack them during their bank their the bank, bank heist, heist yep. and oh it's brutal and then of course the the very end of the movie and oh, and it's you kind of get like that found footage scene when they show up at the planet Miranda, mm-hmm. and they're like everybody's like all like dead, except yep. they they find the and they find the recordings where they're like the woman's panicking, and all of a sudden you hear the noises, and then she's like trying to shoot them, and then all of a sudden something grabs her from, and all you hear is her screams, you know. Yeah, real good uh, horror tropes. Yeah, no, that's true. And Serenity did show us what we missed with, you know, with Firefly being cut short the way yes. it was, which makes you almost want more at that point. It you know, does. <laughs> it does. They they had so. a couple of decent com uh, like a they had a comic book series which was pretty good for a while. Yeah, but. That well, you know, the they had some horror elements when it came to Reavers. And they actually showed the Reavers and what the Reavers were capable of. Okay, well, well I'll allow it. That wasn't meant to be a horror uh, film. It was no. actually a space western. <laughs> but the yeah. show was more of a space, a space western. western with with zombies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't bother to dive into, you know, fucking Game of Thrones and anything with the White Walkers, which were pretty creepy. Yeah, those were. Uh, yeah. And then it just it just 
drug on and drug on and drug on. And well, I know they kind of went like almost full horror with the the um, Battle of Winterfell. Yes, you know, the longest night or whatever it is. Yeah, night, that that episode, which was a little frustrating because you could barely see anything. And I'm sure it was very, that, we had all the lights off in our house. Like we were watching it because we yeah. couldn't. <laughs> so, right. but, um, okay. So if you brought up that, let me, I'll bring this one up. The episode, oh crap. I didn't even think it would count. There's an episode of Xena, Warrior Princess, where she fights the alien Dayhawk. Or Hope. She fights Hope, who is the child of Dayhawk. Uh, this alien? old god. No, Hope, Hope is a child. She's a child of Dayhawk. An but old you alien. Said, you said alien. Oh, I did say alien. Uh, ancient god. Um, They didn't bring aliens into this show. <laughs> Why not? They did just about everything else. Yeah. But and I'm not going to go too much into it, but it, they use this is when I first came to know the old Sam Raimi uh, evil running through the woods camera angle. Oh, they used yes, that like quite a dead. couple times. Yeah, that's how we and made. Then, that's how we got onto the scene. Yep, that was the evil so, dead. I don't think he directed it, but I think they did it as an homage to him because he was the producer in the uh, of the whole show. Yeah, he was the showrunner. Um, yeah. So there was this one scene, though, where we see I mean, we see this thing going through the woods late at night and it's creepy as hell. And I'm like, wow, what is this? This is wow. Not I never saw Evil Dead <laughs> prior to this point. But there's this one scene where we see Gabrielle walking through the woods. And now, mind you, Gabrielle's daughter, Hope, is the same exact age as her. Well, physically. Uh, she's accelerated growth and she looks just like her. They use the same, they use the same actress and we see, (laughs) and we see, um, this camera angle, seeing Gabrielle from one side rushing towards her. We see Xena from a different angle running towards Gabrielle at the same time. Like, cause we think that she sees this evil coming after Gabrielle and, Zena jumps up next to Gabrielle. This is Gabrielle. And she and Gabrielle looks at her and goes, I'm hope. And then they fight and like it's messed up. But then we see Gabrielle actually get chased down by the evil camera. Like they did a they did a um, Silence of the Lambs on you. Where you think they're going to mm. the same place, but they end up at two different areas. Mm, yes. Same as, uh, what was it? Same, Dark Knight, where they had the Dark Knight with oh, Rachel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but that yeah, was Heath, great. Heath Ledger sure has a thing for Gyllenhaal, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus, I just got it. <laughs> I can't think of any more. Do you have any other top of mind? Well, I'm trying. Well, what was the episode of uh, Voyager with Michael McKean as the clown? It was like a nightmare realm. I don't know if I know this one. It was an earlier season, I want to say. 
The clown, Michael McKean. How do you spell it? Uh, Michael McKean. M-C-K? Yeah. From This Is Spinal Tap? Yeah. And then... Oh, God. Hold on. Problem is, he's still working, so there's a lot of stuff you got to shift through. Yeah. Um, Star Trek Voyager, where are you? The clown from The Thaw. The Thaw? Yes. Okay. What what episode, what season is that? Two? Season two, episode 23. I, do, I can't say I'm familiar with this one. I'm not really familiar with it as well either, but I do recall it being creepy. I mean, I've only... Very few of the Voyager episodes have I ever watched more than once. <laughs> yeah. I watched Year of Hell a couple times, but... Yeah, someone wrote uh, in a review, uh, one star... Never in the hell am I ever seeing this episode again. <laughs> Is it because then, it was bad or was it just uh, the, you know, clown phobia? Oh, so. yeah, well, that there is that. There <laughs> is that. Hold on, I don't before Jacoti calls to the bridge. This film's part of death. No, okay, never mind. Anyway. So I don't I don't have any re- recall of this episode, so I can't input anything. Of course. Now there was an interesting when they went into the expanse and Enterprise. There was the episode. Oh. Oh. That air. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, oh, yeah, the impulse where they run into the zombie Vulcans. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty creepy, to be honest. With you. They did a good job with that. They did do a good job of that. You're right. That was a creepy, horror-esque yeah, zombie Vulcans. <laughs> yeah, the Vulcans basically <laughs> were poisoned by whatever the, what is it, Trillium D or something like that? That they used to coat their, their hull? Yeah. Against the the effects of the Expanse? Yeah. Yep. So that was, uh, that was pretty creepy. You know what was creepy was the scenes in... First contact when the Borg are taking over the ship. Like you have the guy that was disappearing good. in the Jeffrey's tube, and then you get the scream of somebody. You know, you have the thing coming through the yep. the fast zoom. The, 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 the rainy. Yep. Yeah. Well, that was more of a Hitchcock thing. Yeah. But you also have like the the weird kind of um visuals, like as the, the Borg are through like the Borg um, visuals as they're as they're chasing down members of the Enterprise crew, or like when Picard and Data are leading the the security guys down, 
This is true. Yeah. Then you get the fog, and then you get the lights coming out of them, and you get yeah, the fog all... coming out. It you had some real good zombie movie shit at, at certain points in First Contact. That's true. Yes, that was good. Which, while the Borg was very menacing in that almost like stoic, nonstop, you know, automaton kind of thing, early mm-hmm. in the Next Generation made them very formidable. This really gave the Borg some serious teeth and some fear factor. The the tubes that they inject you with, almost yeah. like a vampire, yeah, that was creepy. That was. And they that was a new this, element that we hadn't seen before. Right, and they brought that back in... Voyager. Yeah, but the Borg started to get defanged when they kept getting their ass kicked by... Right. But when they brought them back in Enterprise, when Enterprise found wreck, the wreckage of the, the sphere right. in Antarctica... And they conveniently don't say that they are the Borg. Right. <laughs> Exactly. You know how it goes. You can't do I, that. Uh, you can't retcon. You, you can't. You can't have the Frangi try to show up to a century and a half early, too. Because you know they did. Yeah. So, well, they showed up in Roswell. But that was funny. That was funny. That was that was really funny. <laughs> Oh, that was a, but there was a good, that was a pretty entertaining episode. That was creepy, too, because they were getting loose on the uh, NX-01. Yes. And, of course, it was a direct sequel to, uh, you know, the original, uh, to to First First Contact. Contact. Yeah. That is very true, which is interesting. It's kind of neat that they did that. Yeah, and then, they, and then seven at one point goes. It's the Phoenix. Don't ask. <laughs> well, and that one Voyager episode about what was the name of the ship Zephram Cochran was in? Phoenix. Yeah, which and he's they like, should... how do you know that? She goes, it's a long story. Yep, definitely a fascinating one. The. Uh... Dead air. Episode it oh. was in um, <laughs> in uh, season one. I, I think it might have actually been season two. Now that I think about it, the Borg episode. Well, it would have been like right after, yeah. So season two, maybe season three, yeah. So there so, we are. Did you lose me or did you drop? No, I can hear you. Interesting. What? No, I I didn't think we had that issue. But it's all uh, good. It's all good, man. Well, ah, regeneration. That's what it was. That was the episode. Season two was towards the end of season two, just before the attack on Earth. Oh, we're talking about Enterprise. Yes. Yeah. The regeneration where they find the, the wreckage. There was, yep. I guess... It was uh, in Antarctica. Uh, 
Yeah, there was. A, I guess there was a, a plan either for a later season or whatever to like kind of intimate that of maybe the expansion of the Borg, where they were going to have like a scientist played by Al- Alice Krieg, basically become assimilated <laughs> by the Borg. Yeah. Oh God, I heard. Let's of, not I forget heard of today about the Borg Queen. By the way. Um. Oh, that's Picard's mom. Yeah, did you see that? Uh, I've heard, I've heard those. I think it's too heavy-handed. <laughs> plus, it's a different actress. I mean, it's a different actress from the Borg Queen who we see. I really don't want it to be right. <laughs> I don't want it to be that either. I think I really I think don't that's want that to be right, but. They've done a lot of ham fisting uh, <laughs> so far. Oh, God, uh, I hope that that is wrong because I swear, if they decide to make Picard's mom the Borg queen, and that's why the Borg have been so infatuated with getting Picard himself as Lacutus. That would yeah, be I know. I think like, why would they cover up her face? And also, why would she say look up? You know? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, she, you know, Picard was absorbed into the Borg. They used all of his tactical knowledge of the Federation against him. They would know everything about him. Yeah. Right. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I... I think right now we should just give ourselves a break and not over-speculate. <laughs> Until the next episode. Until the next episode. <laughs> Which, by the way, I think this was a good topic. Uh, I'm sure there's more that we didn't touch base on. Obviously, we kind of, you know, we we kind of mentioned each. We we threw a couple of B five. Out yep. there, they kind of built on each other. We mentioned a couple of Star Trek episodes. Uh, there's more too, um, at least that kind of at least fall. If not, I don't know if how many others fall into horror, but definitely into the suspense thriller kind of thing. Yep, yep. Uh, what was it, Wolf in the Fold from the original series? Yeah, which one was that one? I think that was the one where uh, I think Scotty's accused of murder or something like that. Oh, man, that's been forever. First thing that came to my head was the one where those big giant viruses killed Kirk's brother. Mm. Oh, Operation Annihilate. Yeah, that was creepy, right? Yeah, the flying. uh, They're uh, walking around. The joke store barfed. That attacks them? Yeah, yeah. They're walking around. There's no telling when they're going to attack, and you just have to walk yeah. by them, kind of like little, the birds. It's, yeah, it's very, it's, it was a little Hitchcockian. Yeah. Um, yes. In a series of horrific murders of women on a world where such things never happened, points to Mr. Scott as prime suspect. Huh. Mm, Interesting. Yes. Very fascinating. <laughs> well, no, they they 
<laughs> they do something like they do a seance to figure out uh, and all sorts of different names. The hunger that never dies has different names. Mm. And I th- oh, and I think at one uh, one of the names is Red Jack, which responds with Red Jack, which is also Jack the Ripper. So, yeah, it's like some sort of mm. like non-corporeal entity that, you know, has basically, like Babylon 5, they're like, mm, let's go ahead and make Jack the Ripper space bad guy now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, okay. we went all this way without mentioning Beverly Crusher banging a space ghost. Because that was not horror. That was that was just a train accident. It was <laughs> kind of horrible. God. You know, I, I saw a scene of that episode the other day, and I'm sitting here going, this is a rated G show, man. Like... <laughs> Well, uh, I think it was PG, PG, but I think PG. I think it was PG, but dang, dude! <laughs> like, uh, she was ever the consummate professional. Mm-hmm. Gates was so. <laughs> well, I mean, there weren't a ton of episodes devoted to Beverly Crusher, so no, and and unfortunately, the one they did give her, she was... nope. <laughs> no, she was really good in that um oh, what was the name of the episode uh where she invites all the scientists aboard and it's kind of a, a little bit of a murder mystery tied in there. Oh yeah, that's where they had introduced it to Karen. Yeah, which you <laughs> stole. I didn't steal it, I subliminally like absorbed it's it. Good. It's all good. <laughs> Just is what it is. And then I saw it. I'm like, oh, crap. Too late. <laughs> it happens. I don't know. I think I think we touched base with some decent stuff. I mean, we even threw some borderline ones like Buffy and uh, X-Files out there. Which we covered folks, the board. We, yeah, which, folks, we do admit, kind of a cheat. I want to throw one. And, yes, there's a million and five zombie things out there. You have the Marvel What If. You've got zombie this, zombie that. Star Wars did... It was a novel, but they basically... um, They did a zombie plague book. Oh, what was it called? It was... It was... uh, I read it. It was really creepy, actually. Hmm. Uh, Are you looking it up? Yes, uh, they've done a couple of zombie-type things um, in Legends. Death Troopers, that's what it was. Oh, okay. It, yeah, it was a virus got on board us. Like, it was like a prison colony or something. It was like a, it was like an imperial prison detention space station or star, sh- uh, or star destroyer or something. And there was like some plague that turned people into the zombies. And at one point, Han and Chewie had been captured by it. Not not by the virus, but by the prison. And they have to help the last survivors escape and mm. shit like that. So, Okay. 
it was that's, kind of, that's kind of pushing it because it's not TV. Right. But, but I'm saying it, it, Star Wars had made an attempt. Clone Wars did some. Because uh, during the Clone Wars, you know, when uh, Dooku betrays Ventress, she goes back to Dathomir and gets all the Night Sisters to uh, help her attempt to assassinate Dooku. And when that fails, Dooku sends Grievous to wipe out the witches of Dathomir. And at one point they cast a spell where all of the dead witches of Dathomir rise from the dead. And <laughs> this creepy green mist that was, was a pretty good, uh, you know, like these undead animated reanimated figures coming out, out of the woodworks. It was, it was kind of creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. And remember, folks, anytime anybody wants to spice it up, the one thing you do is you find zombies. The most overdone <laughs> horror ploy in all of TV, in all of fiction. It's true. Almost because everybody more horrifying has than a mindless a automaton. Thing. Game of Thrones, they, what did they have? They had the White Walkers. The White Walkers, yeah. What does Star Trek have? The, the Borg. Borg. You know, Star Wars had a couple of different types, you know, mutating viruses, that sort of thing. Uh, Star Trek did one, one or two of those as well. Stargate had the Owls of Gahul, <laughs> which it was almost like uh, they almost had like an evil version of the Trill symbiote, right? Yeah, yeah. They were very similar to the parasites. Oh, you know what? That episode was kind of creepy too. Conspiracy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Body horror and... Yeah. <laughs> that episode was banned in England for the longest time. Right? Well, basically because they literally blew apart a dude's head. And yeah. That was pretty graphic. I mean, you saw his neck bulging out. I mean, he That's was, he was literally having an now. aneurysm. You know? <laughs> That, that was graphic now. I mean, he they, they phased his head and it lost layers and then exploded. Yeah. Apparently what <laughs> they did was they like packed a, like a, like a dummy's head with like fucking meat, like hamburger Ugh. meat or something. And when they, then they blew it up. <laughs> God. Yep, that yeah, was creepy. Yeah, that, that was creepy. You're right. Yeah. That was creepy. It was shock. It was a shock moment. Yeah, but... And, the, and the, that the, alien the still wasn't dead. Itself, right, the episode itself was kind of creepy. You know, the conspiracy, the meeting in, in secrecy, and... Yeah. You know, the the old guy beating the living shit out of Worf, Riker, and Jordy was actually... It was pretty, you know... It was pretty rough for our boys. <laughs> that one Just had a tad. So we've had some borderline uh, ones and some legit ones. You know, anything in Firefly evolved, you know, involving the Reavers or Genesis from Next Generation was pretty creepy. I think that one was the most on point that I could think of. Like episode through and through from start to finish like it definitely was that creepy show 
for I that agree. one episode, you know? But uh, I, I, I did I, think about the episode Frame of Mind, but that's more of a mind, you know, that is, That's a psychological thriller. I'll give you that. Yeah. It's, but it, it's definitely creepy. I, I'll, I won't lie. That one can mess with you. <laughs> so... All right. Well, I think uh, we've run the gambit enough. Are you? Are you you oh, got one on. more. The lo- the long dark. That was the name of the Babylon Five episode that I brought up with the uh, cryonics uh, space episode and the okay. creature. Okay, so, which was actually before the Shadows of Zaha Doom. It, it was, which be- was the episode yes. name of the episode that I brought up. Right. The it was. Shadows. It was. Um, before they really started die, you know, it was when everything with the shadows was really like, like no, and not everybody, no one's really sure what's going on. No, you know, all that uh, great drama building. Now that was a creepy episode. I re- highly recommend it. Some good performances and some decent scares out of it. <laughs> and when in doubt, Dwight Schultz is always entertaining. Yes, he is. That he is. So, all right, man. Well, I think on that note, I don't, I don't, I don't think we can uh, disagree more or agree more on the fact that Dwight Schultz is the greatest actor of our generation. So, <laughs> on that note, everyone, you guys keep dreaming. We'll keep working. So long, everybody. We'll see you on the high ground. Take it easy. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Alpha Site Productions, produced by DT Cavman and PS McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow PS McKay on Twitter at PS McKay, or go to thosescifiguys.com for past episode information. <laughs>